Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. According to Jesus, what is the place of the law? Now our verses will help us tremendously. I'm going to say, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and he's also the interpreter of the law. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Our Lord Jesus Christ emphasized that He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So are followers of Christ still under the Mosaic Law, including the Ten Commandments? Today on The Verdict, we're dealing with this fascinating question and gaining a better understanding of why Jesus came. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe with today's message called The Heart of the Law. Last time we learned that followers of Jesus are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In our current series, we're studying the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We come today to what I've called the heart of the law. So in his sermon, is Jesus giving us new law and abandoning the old? Do the commandments and the Old Testament scriptures no longer apply? We're going to focus on what Jesus means when he says that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Are we still under the Mosaic law, including the Ten Commandments? If so, what difference did Jesus make in coming? Surely we can't disregard all law. Let's learn from this important passage in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. In our verses today in Matthew 5, first of all, in verses 17 through 20, uh, Jesus summarizes his relationship to the Mosaic law. And then he gives examples, as we will see in the Sermon on the Mount. He gives his interpretation of the law. So let's first read together Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we talk about the law, I think there are two extremes and each of us probably in our own lives swing between these two extremes. First of all, there is what I would call the legalist. The legalist measures spirituality by how strictly the laws are observed. The legalist likes laws, and he measures his own spirituality and the spirituality of others by how closely they form to the law. Some legalists believe that the law, in fact, is the way of salvation. If you obey most of the commandments most of the time, at the end of the day, God will reward you by your obedience to the law, by admitting you into heaven, into the kingdom of heaven. Now that's the way of religion. Religion basically says, do this, don't do that. 
It is, of course, salvation by works. Salvation based on what we do, and that is totally contrary to the Word of God from Genesis through Revelation. No, we have learned, I trust, that salvation is not by us doing things, but salvation is by grace alone, God's grace alone, received through faith alone, in Christ and Christ alone. So while religion says do, true Christianity, authentic Christianity says done, not what we are doing, but what our Lord Jesus Christ has done, that God in great love has sent his son to die for our sins and to accomplish salvation as he cries on the cross, it is finished, the work is finished, it's all done. And it extends to us in the grace of God and is to be received simply by faith. But even those of us who believe in salvation by grace alone uh, can still be characterized by legalism. Legalists are always trying to put other people right. They're concerned, they're almost obsessed with the externals, the outward appearance, uh, how we dress, how we act, how closely we conform to the rules and the regulations. And they love looking at others, the scribes and Pharisees in the Gospels are prime examples of the legalist. These scribes and Pharisees were meticulous, yes, meticulous in their observance of the law. They added their own interpretations. They added their own traditions and judged others by whether or not they conformed to their idea of the law and the traditions of the fathers. Legalists like the scribes and Pharisees tend to be harsh, hypocritical, very pedantic, very self-serving, and judgmental. That's the legalist. Then on the other extreme, uh, there is what we could call the antinomian. Antinomian, anti in Greek is against. Greek for law is nomos. So we have this word, antinomian. And that's someone who wants to be totally free of the law. You have the legalist on one hand, a meticulous observance of the law, and loves the fine points of the law. On the other hand, here is the antinomian, Mr. Antinomian. Not only does he like, not like laws, he lives as he likes. Now, he may call himself a Christian, but he can live like the devil on a Saturday night and come to church and sing like an angel on a Sunday morning. That's the legalist. Sin doesn't seem to bother him at all. He's got no time for the laws, no time for the commandments. And he gets false comfort by saying, well, Jesus accepts me whatever I do. Jesus loves me. I believe in God's grace and whatever I do, God still loves me. Don't judge me. And he lives his life as if there were no commandments at all. The antinomian presumes on the grace of God. They look on God's laws, not as commandments, but as suggestions. Commandments, oh, that's for the Old Testament. Uh, I live in the life of grace. Don't talk to me about commandments. Two extremes, both totally contrary to the Word of God. But according to Jesus, what is the place of the law? Now, our verses will help us tremendously. I'm going to say, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and he's also the interpreter of the law. First of all, 
The law is not abolished by Jesus, but fulfilled. That's verse 17. Do not think, this is Jesus speaking, that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. There it is. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. By the law, he means the Mosaic law. He didn't come to disregard the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law is not abolished by Jesus, but is fulfilled by Jesus. Now, when Jesus refers in verse 17 to the law and the prophets, he's referring to all of the Old Testament scriptures. They can be summarized in this, the law and the prophets. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish them, but rather I came to fulfill them. Now the question, the rather difficult question is, what does Jesus mean when he says, I didn't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them? Well, Jesus certainly fulfilled the law by living in perfect obedience to the law of God, unlike us. Not one of us could obey the law of God perfectly. So Jesus certainly fulfilled the law by living a perfect life. Every single detail was obeyed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, all of the prophecies, all of the messianic promises of the Old Testament find their perfect fulfillment in Jesus Christ. I come, says Jesus, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. But I think there's more here. Jesus fulfills the law not only by explaining the full meaning of the law, but by declaring that its completion, the completion of the law, is in him, the person of Jesus, in a fresh way. That is, all of the law, all of the prophets were anticipating the coming of Jesus. And Jesus brings the law and the prophets to perfect fulfillment. So Jesus is both the fulfillment of Scripture and the interpreter of Scripture. That is, all of the Old Testament must be viewed through the person, through the ministry, and the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. So followers of Jesus cannot be antinomian. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. So the law is going to continue. Ah, but understand this. The law is going to be continued to be taught, but here's the point. Jesus teaches it not as the law of Moses, not as the old covenant, but as fulfilled and interpreted in and by himself. That is, Jesus is the culmination of the Mosaic law and the prophets. So verse 17, first statement about the law, the law is not abolished by Jesus, but fulfilled. Secondly, verse 18, the law is not passed away until all is accomplished. For truly I say to you, Notice the importance of this. Truly I say to you, Jesus is teaching his disciples, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus has come and the law is going to be seen in a different light. 
It's not going to pass away until everything is accomplished down to the minutest detail. Here Jesus refers to the iota and the dot of the law. The iota, it is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, very much like an apostrophe we have in English. And so Jesus is saying that the that heaven and earth will not pass away, not a iota, not a yod of the law will pass until all is accomplished. And then we have the dot, refers to the tiniest part of a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Do you get the point? The smallest stroke in the Hebrew alphabet which distinguishes one letter from another will not pass away until all is accomplished. That is amazing, isn't it? Jesus believed in the enduring validity and inspiration of the Old Testament as the Word of God. He's going to say in John 10, verse 35, Scripture cannot be broken. Sometimes people ask me, why do you make so much of the Bible? Jesus made much of the Bible as we just read. This is the Word of God. Yes, every letter, every stroke, every part is the inspired Word of God. Jesus then is saying, He is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. And He also is its, its authoritative interpreter. Notice how he begins verse 18. For truly I say to you, he fulfills scripture and he interprets scripture. So first, the law is not abolished by Jesus but fulfilled, verse 17. Secondly, the law is not passed away until all is accomplished, verse 18. Verse 19, the law is not to be relaxed but is to be obeyed and taught, verse 19. Are you following this? Please concentrate. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so, the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of God. That's interesting, fascinating, isn't it? The one who relaxes one of the least of the commandments is going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. Ah, but the person who humbly obeys the word of God and teaches the word of God will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but that makes me stop and think. You say, who is Jesus? You say, who is he to say this? Ah, that's the point. He's God incarnate. Fulfills the law and interprets the law. Who is he? He's the king, Matthew has been telling us. And a king must be obeyed. You're a follower of the king. You rejoice today that your sins are forgiven, that you're at peace with God, that you've been saved by grace. How wonderful. Ah, but here's the question. Are you obeying the king? Why do you disregard the commandments of Jesus? Why are you so casual in your view of the Word of God? What makes you think that you're greater than the King who's giving us his teaching, who, who's explaining to us what it means to live in the kingdom and how we're to follow him? 
Uh, he's saying in terms of the Old Testament law that the very smallest letter, the very smallest part of a letter is part of the Word of God. In Luke 6, verse 46, uh, Jesus asks a penetrating question that I'm going to ask you. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why is that? Why do you call Jesus Lord, and then, as it were, turn your back on him and live your own life? No, followers of Jesus seek to obey his commands. Feeling convicted? There's more. Verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. As I, as I read that and studied that that, that, that shocked me. I thought, what on earth can that mean? That my righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. On the face of it, it's, a, it's an astonishing statement as the Pharisees and the scribes were well known for their meticulous observance of the law. So how can my righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? Do you know what the scribes and the Pharisees did? Not only did they tithe of their money, they tithe of the herbs they had. Jesus says in Matthew 23, you, you tithe of, of the mint and the dill and the cumin. Imagine that. Talk about being meticulous, that you're actually giving a tithe of herbs. Like we never even think about it. Is your righteousness greater than that? Jesus is saying, that if a righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, we will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to enter the kingdom of heaven, don't you? Now Jesus, let's back up a little bit here. Jesus is not teaching salvation by works. Who's Jesus speaking to? Verse one, he's talking to his disciples, to those who have repented, to those who have believed in him. I, I say again, Salvation is not by works. It's not by keeping the law. None of us could do that anyhow. Salvation is entirely through the pure and free grace of God based on the person and the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus. We receive his righteousness. We sang about that. Dressed in his righteousness. Salvation is a gift as we receive the righteousness of Christ. Ah, but then... Having been saved, here's the point Jesus is making, that we must now live righteous lives. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Seek first, says Jesus, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But listen, this is very, very important. God never intended a relationship with him to be a matter of fulfilling his laws through the discipline and determination of our own wills. That's what the Pharisees tried to do. Here's the law. They added to it. Their spirituality was measured by their meticulous observance of the law. No. What does God seek? God seeks a love relationship with us. Not just an outward legalistic observance of the law. That's the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus is interpreting the law 
by dealing, as we will see, not so much with the external action, ah, but with the internal and with the personal love of our hearts. And we see the outworking of this in verses 21 uh, through the end of Matthew 5. We'll see one example. Let me illustrate it this way. Over the years, I've had more than one husband who's come to me who's been struggling in his marriage uh, and says, uh, give me some help. How, how, can, how can I improve my marriage? How can, how can I get through to my wife? Now he's thinking of me prescribing, saying, you've got to have a date night. Uh, give her flowers every other week. Give her a, give her a box of chocolates or, or, or plan a vacation uh, with her. In other words, he wants to do certain things to please his wife. I think of one case many years ago where a couple were in fact separated. They were members of the church where I was pastoring and they had separated because of the difficulties between them and, and the man was trying to reestablish a relationship uh, with his wife but his, his wife, uh, because of her hurt and her pain, was very, very slow uh, to respond to him. So I, I said to him one time, I said, well, uh, ask, ask her out and perhaps in a, in a restaurant, a different atmosphere, you can begin to uh, speak to her. I said, I know you want to start living with her uh, in the home, but, but she won't have that. So th this is a, a step towards that. I thought it was fairly good uh, advice. And, and he said, yeah, he said, I'm going to try that. And uh, so after some time, uh, I met with his wife separately. And I, I said, how are things going? And she said, she said, did he tell you that uh, he took me out? I said, oh, that's great. And I said, uh, you got a chance to talk over things. And she said, he took me to McDonald's. I thought, there is a very romantic man. You know, over your Big Mac uh, and that big uh, tumbler of, of uh, Coke you're talking. No, he was totally on the wrong track. What that wife wants and what every wife wants is not so much a husband to do certain things. Yes, there's a place for the doing of the certain things. But what the wife wants is the love of her husband's heart. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and the start of a message titled, The Heart of the Law. We'll continue with part two tomorrow. And remember, you can also find these messages online by going to our website at theverdict.org. And as a special addition to this series, we're offering a helpful companion resource that gets to the heart of Christian living. It's a booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom, and it deals with what it means to follow Christ, as taught by Jesus Himself in the Sermon on the Mount. And right now, you can request a free copy of Life in the Kingdom by visiting our website at theverdict.org. And if you haven't signed up yet for John's monthly email newsletter, be sure to do that today. Just click the sign up button on our homepage. As we continue working to bring clear biblical truth to communities across the globe, we so appreciate your prayers and financial support. And we encourage you today to give a donation of any amount to help keep these gospel messages on the air. By supporting The Verdict's radio ministry, you'll play a direct part in bringing God's Word to new listeners. Please give whatever amount you feel led to by visiting theverdict.org or give us a call at 833 551 2231. 
And lastly, we want to remind you to make sure you've subscribed to our podcast. Just search your podcast app for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and choose subscribe to start listening and receive all the programs and podcasts. Now, here's John. Well, what's your verdict? Do you understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the interpreter of the law? Think how all of the law and the prophets of the Old Testament were anticipating the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is the King, so we must obey His commands. He gives the perfect interpretation of the law, and through His perfect sacrifice, we are saved. Next time, we'll see that Jesus is concerned not with the externals of the law, but with the internal and personal love of our hearts. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.